number four. Mark chapter four, and we're going to be looking at verses 35 through verse number 41. The Bible says, In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, meaning Jesus says to his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And watch what the Bible says in verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the, unto the sea, Peace be still. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful for the truth of your word this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for your presence that's in this place. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have brought these people together. And, Lord, they don't need to hear what I have to say this morning. They need to hear, Lord Jesus, exactly what you have for each and every one of us. So, Lord, we're praying right now, Holy Spirit, would you please speak to me and speak through me your words unto your people. Lord, you know what we stand in need of. You know what every heart and every mind, what we're all going through today. And I'm praying right now that you do what only you can do. Your word tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Lord, I'm asking you this morning that you use your sword to cut to the heart of men, women, boys, and girls today. Lord, not my words, but your own. I'm praying now that you have your way and your will in these services. We pray, Lord, you show us the difference in fearing the storm and having faith in the Savior. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. In Mark chapter number 4, verses 35 through 41, in these seven verses, we see the story of a storm. A storm that encountered Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Now before I get started with my message this morning, I really want to just give you two statements concerning storms that I think we all need to get a hold of. The first thing that I want you to know about storms is that no one is exempt from them. No one. Now I know that goes contrary to the popular preaching and teaching that we sometimes hear today. A lot of the preaching and teaching that I'm hearing on the radio or on the television, not that there are very good, there are some very good programs on the television and on the radio, but a lot of what I hear today is that as long as you've been born again and as long as you have enough faith and you believe God enough, that you're never going to have to worry about any kind of storm entering your life. You're never going to have any problems, you're never going to have any troubles. You're never going to have any trials. And if you do have problems or you do have troubles or you do have trials as a child of God, that just means you didn't have enough faith or you didn't believe God enough. Now, I've got to share something with you. I must challenge that way of thinking. I must challenge that uh, direction in preaching and teaching of the Word of God because, folks, it doesn't line up with Scripture. 
Now, if we hold to the belief, to the idea that if you're a child of God and you have enough faith, that you'll never go through any of the storms that sometimes we encounter in life, you'll never have any troubles, trials, or tribulations, just because you're a child of God and you believe God to be able, if you hold to that line of thinking, then we must also say that the Apostle Paul must not have had enough faith. Well, let's take a look at the Apostle Paul very quickly this morning and, and, and just think about who he was and what he did for the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches that he was born again on the road to Damascus. Amen? The, the, the Lord shown himself to Paul there on the road to Damascus and he went from being the foremost persecutor of the gospel to being the foremost preacher of the gospel. He was on his way to imprison saints but then after he met Jesus, spent the rest of his life preaching truth that would set men free. He was absolutely changed by the power of God when he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And then guess what happened? The Lord called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And I don't know about you, but that excites me because listen to me, folks. It was from the preaching of the apostle Paul that the word of God came to the Gentile nations. The story of Jesus came to the Gentile nation. Well, guess what? Everybody in here is Gentiles. And so it was by the preaching of the Apostle Paul that the Word of God came to you and me. Praise God. He went on three missionary journeys all over the known world of his day, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit was working in him, working through him, doing signs and wonders by the power of God. He was planting churches everywhere he went. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 books inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote down 13 books in our New Testament. Wow. I believe he wrote 14 books. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, you don't have to believe that, and I don't have any proof of that, but just from what I see written there in Hebrews and the rest of his writing, it looks a whole lot like the Apostle Paul to me. So I'm just trying to say, listen, I believe he done more for the cause of Christ than any man before him or since him. I believe this is a great man of faith, a champion of faith. But I want to read to you something that the Bible says. And, and if you will, please turn over there with me. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And let's read a testimony that Paul gives. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24. Watch this now. He gives us a list of all the things that he encountered because of his faith in Christ. You see, the truth is, folks, it's because of our faith that the enemy will come against us. Can you say amen to that? It's because of our faith that we will sometimes face persecution. It's because of our faith storms will enter our life. Look how Paul puts it in verse 24. Of the Jews five times I received 40 stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day I have spent in the deep. See, the apostle Paul experienced storms literally and figuratively. He was actually shipwrecked where he spent um, time, like he said here, a night and a day floating in the water. And all of this happened simply because he was doing what God told him to do. Listen, he was preaching the gospel, standing for Jesus, and there came a time when he would rather stand for Jesus than bow to Caesar. Can you say amen? 
and it cost him his head. They beheaded him. In verse 26, he says, In journeyings often in pearls of waters, in pearls of robbers, in pearls by mine own countrymen, in pearls by the heathen, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea, in pearls among false brethren. The Apostle Paul said, I faced storms everywhere among all people. People that I loved and were close to me, people that were against me, I faced all kinds of storms. Look at verse 27. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which cometh upon the, uh, me daily the care of all the churches. He says there's a lot of stuff that I go through for the cause of Christ nobody else knows anything about. A lot of problems that he dealt with concerning the churches on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm just trying to tell you, if listen, if, if, it, if it's true that as long as you're born again and you believe God enough, you'll never enter any storms, it must be true that the Apostle Paul didn't have enough faith. Well, I don't believe that. Listen, he encountered storms as a champion of the faith. How many of you know Daniel encountered storms as a champion of faith? David encountered storms as a champion of the faith. Moses encountered storms as a champion of faith. I want you to know that you and I will all encounter storms as the people of faith. No one is exempt from that. And just because you have tough times in your life, it doesn't mean that you're outside the will of God. It may mean that, but it don't have to mean that. And listen, just because everything's hunky-dory and hallelujah don't mean you're always right where God wants you to be. We all encounter storms, each and every one of us. Listen to me, folks. And God uses those things in our life to bring us unto himself. So the first point that I want you to see is that no one is exempt from, storm, from the storms of life. We all face them. Storms financially, physically, relationally, you name it. We all face storms. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and 12, don't think it's some strange thing that's happening to you when you encounter persecutions for the faith. 2 Timothy 3 and 12, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We all face times of hardship, even as the people of God, sometimes because we're the people of God. The second thing that I want you to see, my second statement concerning storms, are there are storms of correction and storms of direction. Now I want you to know something, child of God. There are times when God sends a storm of correction into your life because you and I, from time to time, get in the flesh and walk in disobedience. And because God loves you, He chastens you as His child, according to Hebrews 12 and 6. And when we walk in disobedience and are not doing what God wants us to do, going our own way, doing our own thing, because of the love of our Heavenly Father, He will sometimes send a storm into our life to correct our behavior. If you don't believe me, you just ask Brother Jonah. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 that God had called Jonah to go down and preach the gospel in Nineveh. Jonah hated the Ninevites. He didn't want the Ninevites to be saved and turn to the Lord. 
He didn't want them to hear about the grace of God. So what did he do? He went the complete opposite direction to a city called Tarsus. What happened? On his way to Tarsus, the Bible says that God hurled a storm at Jonah. That means God had put a storm in his hand and pitched it like a fastball right in Jonah's direction. Why? To correct him. To get him back on the right track. And so, child of God, I want you to know, if you've got storms in your life, the first thing I do when storms enter my life, I'll tell you, I just get on my face and I say, Lord, if I've missed you somewhere, show me where it's at. I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. How many of you know I've tried my way? I've tried the way of the world, and I've tried what's pleasing unto myself, pleasing unto the flesh, and there's just no peace in it. There's no purpose in it. There's no joy in it. And so when we encounter those storms, we've got to know what God is trying to tell us. We need to get clear, um, folks, revelation as to what God is wanting to do in and through us. And sometimes it's to correct behavior. But now listen to me. Sometimes God sends storms of direction our way. And that's what I see here in Mark chapter 4. Look, these guys are in the center of God's will. They're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Listen, they're in the boat with him. Can you say amen? They're close to him. They're not far from him. They're walking in, in obedience, not disobedience. But there, there's still a storm that arises. But it's through this storm of direction that God brings his children closer to him and reveals to them himself in a way like only he could do through a storm. Storm of direction. I'm reminded of a story of a little boy who got a sailboat for Christmas. And he put it together and got it just like he liked it. And he was out in the pond behind his house playing with his sailboat. And a big gust of wind took that sailboat all the way out into the middle of the pond so that he couldn't reach it. And he was standing there crying on the bank of the pond. And his older brother saw what was happening and he came walking down there and picked up a handful of rocks and he started throwing those rocks toward the direction of the sailboat. He just kept chucking those rocks and his little brother screaming the whole time, what are you doing? Don't hit my boat. Don't turn my boat up. He just kept chucking those rocks. And finally the older brother looked at him and said, I'm not throwing rocks at your boat. I'm throwing rocks behind your boat. And guess what happened? As he kept throwing those rocks behind the boat and those ripples from the rocks falling into the water, those waves that were being created on the backside, they started pushing that boat just a little bit closer to the land. And before long, as he kept making those waves, that boat came just as close to the bank as it could get, and he reached down and picked it up. That's the same way God does with us from time to time. When he sends storms of direction, they direct us to a truth about himself. They reveal to us exactly who he is, and he does it in a way like he can only do it sometimes through a storm. As many of you know, Miss Brenda, I love you, sister. And this morning, I would never, ever try to bring back anything hurtful, but I do want to give glory to God. As, as many of you know, Brother Thomas Lucas passed away a few months back and he, after a long battle with cancer. And that was a storm that entered that brother's life. But let me tell you what I saw in the midst of that. I saw him grow closer to Jesus in an amazing way at a rate 
that I had never seen before. I, I tell you, it, it was amazing how the Lord was blessing in that brother's life and using him for his honor and glory. And I can remember several times I'd be on my way down to uh, uh, Brother Thomas and Miss Brenda's house or I, I was coming to church to see him and I would always pray and I'd, I'd be thinking, Lord, give me something that I can encourage him with. Give me something I can say to him that will help him in this time of, that, that he's hurting. I know he's hurting and I know your family was hurting and I would always pray that. But let me tell you what I found out. I would get down and get to visiting with that brother and I was the one that was getting encouraged. I was the one that was being blessed. I'd go down there and sit in his living room and he'd start thumbing through the scripture and he'd say, brother, look what God showed me right here. Look how God revealed himself to me right here. Brothers, I'm trusting in this scripture. I'm trusting in what God said. And I'd leave there overjoyed because I knew I just had church with a brother. We sat beside his bedside just hours before he passed for about two hours. And I'm telling you, heaven filled that room that morning. It was in the midst of that storm that God revealed himself in a fantastic way. There are storms of correction, but there are also storms of direction. Let me give you three truths from this scripture, these seven verses. First of all, I want you to see the words of Jesus. Watch what the Bible says here. Mark chapter number 4, verse 35. In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now, how many of you believe God's word is powerful? Amen. Me too. It's all powerful. <laughs> God's word is all powerful, for he is all powerful. You say, well, brothers, how do you know that? Well, I know it according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, how did he do it? He said it. You go on and you start reading, you're going to find out a lot of things that God said. The, the Bible says that the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Amen. And from darkness came light at God's spoken, all-powerful word. He went on and said a whole lot of other stuff. Let, let there be a division in the land and the sea. And guess what happened? That's what happened. Why? Because God said it. And he, and, he, and he created the atmosphere in which we breathe and the stars in the heaven and the moon and the sun. And he did all of that just by a spoken word. Why? Because God's word is all powerful. It's all powerful. It's all powerful for me and for you. Can you say amen to that? Brother Kitty Cantrell, one of my dearest brothers, that he's went on to be with the Lord now, but I remember something that he would always say. And it was such an encouragement to me. He would say, Brother Israel, I believe that I, I wouldn't take uh, the Word of God any more seriously than if Jesus himself was standing here saying it to me. That's how you ought to take the Word of God. It's powerful. For you and for me today. Put up for me, brother uh, uh, Nathan, Hebrews 4 and 12, please. Look what the Bible tells us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. It says, for the word of God is quick and it's powerful. Now, when it says quick there, it means alive. So let's read it like that. For the word of God is alive. If you believe that we have a living word, say Amen. Not that it's being added to because we have all we need through the revelation of the Holy Spirit to get what God wants us to see. Can you say amen? <laughs> but what I am saying, it is, listen to me now, relevant for your day-to-day -day life. It is alive today. 
And it's powerful, and it's sharper than two-edged sword, piercing even and dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive and powerful for you. And it was alive and powerful for them that night on the Sea of Galilee. And how many of you know, when Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side, that's exactly what he meant. And right then and there, it was just as good as done. I'm reminded of what happened with Moses. It really reminds me of this story here in Mark chapter 4. You remember when Moses was standing at the burning bush? And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go, for I have given unto them a good land flowing with milk and honey. I've already given it to them. Now how many of you know the land was just as good as owned by the children of Israel who were then in bondage to Egypt. It was just as good as owned by them the moment God said it as it was the moment they crossed the Jordan River. God said it, it was done. It was over when God says it because His Word is powerful. Folks, it's just as good as done. It took them 40 years wandering in the wilderness to realize who they were and who God is. So that they might enter into God's blessing. That's a lesson there. That's a different message for a different day. But I want you to know it took them seeing who they were, who God is. So that they could enter in and receive all God had for them. But I want you to know it was just as good as theirs when God said it at the burning bush. Now, when Jesus said to his disciples, let us pass over to the other side, it's just as good as done. No matter what happens between A and B, we know we're going to B. Why? Because Jesus said it. No matter what happens between this side and the other side, we know we're getting to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said it. The Word of God is powerful. Now, what does that mean for me and you? Well, what does God's Word promise you? It promises me in Hebrews 13, 5, that He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Praise God, I trust in that. Every time I stand before you, pastor, I trust in that. Every time I make decisions with my family as a father and as a husband, I trust in that. Every time I go to my workplace and I encounter something that I can't handle, I trust in that. My Bible says in Philippians 4.19 that he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Praise God, I trust in that. Hebrew, or excuse me, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. That tells me God wants to work in me and work through me to do great things for his kingdom. I trust in that. The Bible tells me in Philippians 1.6, Paul said, Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun the good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. I trust in that. Hebrews 12 and verse number 2 says that Jesus is the author. He begins our faith. But how many of you know it also says he's the finisher? I trust in that. Because God's word is powerful. Let me tell you something, mamas and daddies. You can trust in the word of God. Let me tell you something. Husbands and wives, you can trust in the word of God. Children of God, you can trust in what God's Word says because it's powerful. And when we start losing sight of what God's Word says and we begin to doubt, then fear enters our life. We'll see that in a moment. 
Word of God is powerful. Let me say something else. The Word of God is punctual. It's right on time. Isn't it? I want to tell you something. It's on time for you today in the world that you live in. Like we said before, it's relevant for you each and every day. If you want the answers, we have it in our blessed Bible. You can trust in the Word of God today. These men lost sight of what Jesus had already said. And because of that, it caused them a lot of trouble. We need to see the words of Jesus, but look at verse 36. And when they had sent the multitude away, they took even him as he was in the ship, and they were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Everybody say, now full. Not only do I want you to see the words of Jesus, but I also want you to notice the water in the boat. Now, how many of you know these disciples, this was not the first time they'd ever been on the water. We know uh, James and John and Peter and Andrew grew up fishermen. We know that. We know that this is, they had spent their whole life fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They had went through countless storms. And so when the Bible says this was a great storm and these professional fishermen were afraid for their lives, this was no small thing. To the point that the winds and the waves were blowing so hard and getting so high that the water was crashing over the side of the boat and filling it up. Now, why is that a problem? Well, it's how the disciples viewed the boat. The disciples viewed the boat as being the thing which brought their protection. Amen? After all, if the boat fills up with water, then it's going to sink. And if it's going to sink, then we all swim in. Amen? So they viewed that boat as what protected them, thereby making the boat what gave them their peace. Now listen, that's a wrong way to look at this thing. Because listen, their peace and their protection is not kept by the boat, but by the one that's sleeping in the boat. And we've got to get a hold of that. A lot of us view different things in our lives as that which gives us protection, that which gives us peace, that which gives us purpose. When we, when we view those things instead of the Lord Jesus, then when we lose those things, guess what we lose? Our peace. And we worry and we doubt and we fear because of those storms. See, when you're viewing your occupation as that which protects you and provides for you and brings you peace, instead of the Lord Jesus, if something happens with your occupation, you get laid off and that, you enter that storm in your life, you get fired, you enter that storm in your life, you're not able to work anymore, you enter that storm in your life, then guess what happens? It'll wreck your world. But when you realize it's Jesus that provides for you, it's Jesus that gives you peace, no matter what happens in this world, praise God, he's still going to take care of me. Do you see how that works? Some of you view your marriage as that which protects or brings peace or brings purpose. Well, guess what? Marriages fail. It's not God's will. It's not what he wants. It's not what we want. But because we live in a fallen creation, it happens. Amen? But I want you to know something. If you view that uh, marriage, that relationship, as that which brings you peace and protection and purpose, and you lose that, well, guess what? That it's going to wreck your world. 
You don't find your comfort and your peace and your protection in, 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 in a person physically speaking. Your peace is found in Christ. So you don't have to worry when your boat starts getting full. Can you say, man, you just keep looking unto Jesus. And that provides peace in the midst of any storm you might face. If you're getting this, say amen this morning. So the water in the boat got them all shook up. Folks, I'm going to tell you, we all going to get water in the boat from time to time. We'll get water in the boat in our marriage. We'll get water in the boat in our occupation. We'll get water in the boat with our finances. We'll get water in the boat with our relationship with our kids. We're just going to get water in the boat. That's the way life is. That's life. Quit putting your faith in the boat, whatever it is, and remember the one that's in the boat with you. Now, we want to see the words of Jesus. We got to see the water in the boat. But I also want you to see my wonderful Savior. This is my Jesus. See, I, I, I hear these people trying to paint the picture of the mamby-pamby Jesus. You don't know about painting these paintings of the sissified-looking Jesus? That's not my Jesus. You may tell you why? That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus is a man's man. Here this brother is, listen, sleeping in the midst of this great storm. Now, it's easy to sleep in the midst of the storm if you can control the wind. Amen. <laughs> and so he's laying there asleep. The disciples come running down. Now, now watch what happens. Listen. Because of the water in the boat, it caused worry with the disciples. Now, how many of you know fear is worry's ugly cousin? Because they got water in the boat, fear entered their life. When fear entered their life, they began to worry about their situation. Now, let me say something to you, child of God. Whether we want to realize it or not, worry sin. For worry is a lack of faith. Now, who's guilty? Praise God, everybody raise your hand. Y'all all worrying? We all worry from time to time. But it does not have to control our life. Why? Because we know the one that's in the boat. We know the one who controls the storm. We know the one whom the Bible calls the Prince of Peace. The friend that sticks closer than the brother. Our ever-present help in our time of need. That's my Jesus the disciples begin to worry and they run down and say, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, you're going through some, a tough storm, a storm where it feels like water is crashing into your boat. And you're scared to death. You don't know what to do, where to turn. And, and you just fall down before the Lord and say, Lord, do you not see what I'm going through? See, I just believe in being real with the Lord. There, there's no sense in you putting up a false front before the Lord. He knows your heart. And so I'm going to tell you something. When I'm mad, I just tell the Lord I'm mad. You ever been mad? The way things are going? Tell him. He's big enough to handle it. Now, don't get too big for your britches. Right? recognize and realize you are speaking to the creator of the universe. You ought to do it in reverence. But I'm telling you, you can be honest with God. 
When I'm scared, I just tell the Lord I'm scared. When I'm discouraged, I tell Him that. Just be real with Him. Brother, you were saying it this morning. We've got a relationship with Him as a brother. We serve Him as King, but we have a relationship as heirs to God and joint heirs with Jesus. So you can just be real with the Lord. And, and from time to time you need to do that. That's what the disciples are doing. They come down and say, Lord, do you not care about what's going on? Let me say something to you. Listen, everybody look at me right here. Everybody look at me eye to eye. Jesus cares. I just gave you a message from heaven, a word from God. Jesus cares for you. Whatever situation you're going through, whatever's happening in your life, He cares for you. You may think, man, my, my situation is so small, God, don't, I don't need to bother him with that. God cares. He, you're not bothering him. He's big enough to handle it. The smallest things in the life of his children, he cares about. He cares for you. Verse 39 says, and he arose and rebuked the wind. He said, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said unto them, why are you so fearful? Why are you fearing? How is it that you don't have faith in me? Folks, you do not have to continually walk in fear as the children of God when you know Jesus is in the boat with you whatever storm you face. There's peace in knowing him. Peace for living, peace for dying, peace that passeth all understanding. And I have found in my life as a believer, in times in my life when I shouldn't have no peace, by the power of God, He gives me peace. And it truly does pass all understanding. <laughs> Sometimes I don't understand it. Sometimes the world sure don't understand it. But I'm thankful for the peace of God. He said... Peace be still to the storm. And just like that, just as calm as can be from the raging storm. Now, I've heard it said, and I'm sure you have too, sometimes the Lord steals the storm. That's true. Sometimes he steals the storm in me. That's true too. Either way, he brings peace. Peace be still. That's my message to you today. Trust in Him. Peace. Be still. We got a choice to make as believers. We can either fear the storm or have faith in the Savior. It's up to you. It's up to me. So the disciples looked at one another and said, What kind of man is this? that even the wind and the waves obey him. You know what happened with them? They had just encountered, experienced Jesus in a way like never before. That could have only happened through the storm. Maybe God's got you right where you're at so that you can experience him in a way like never before. And I'm going to tell you this, whatever you're going through, that's worth it. That's worth it. Trust in the day. Brother, come on up.
Everyone stand, please. I believe in prayer. I believe God answers prayer. I know according to the truth of Scripture, He hears our prayer. The Bible says if we ask anything in accordance to His will, we know He hears us. And so if you're in the midst of your storm this morning, whatever it might be, if your boat is beginning to take on water, let me say this. Ask for help. It's amazing to me that a lot of times we just don't do that. I'll never forget there was a man that, dear brother in Christ, I'd been his pastor for several years. And um, he came to me one Wednesday night before service, before Bible study. And he, he sat down in my office and he, he just began to weep. I'm talking about almost uncontrollably crying in my office. And he finally got settled down and looked up at me and he said, Brother Israel, I lost my job today. And let me tell you why that bothered him so much. He was the only one in the family working. He had three kids, one of which was a newborn. Now, how many of you know when kids get hungry, they want to eat? And this daddy who loved his babies a great deal knew that he wasn't going to be able to feed them without a job. And I could understand where he was coming from. Can't you guys? Absolutely. I can see what he was talking about. And so we sat and we talked a little bit. And then I asked him, I said, Brother, have you prayed about this thing? And it was like deer in the headlights look, you know. His eyes got about this big around. He said, no, I haven't. I said, let's do that. And I guess about two days later, the Lord blessed him with a job that was better than the one he lost. Sometimes you just need to ask. Sometimes I think the Lord allows these storms so that we can learn to ask a little bit and depend upon Him. So today, man, you might just need to ask. You may say, Lord, I need your help here. You know what's going on. Do what only you can do by your power. Maybe you just need to be saved. I told you that for the child of God, you don't have to fear whatever you encounter, and you don't. You have victory in Jesus. If you're not a child of God, I'd be scared to death. I don't, I don't see how you're making it. I don't see how you're going to sleep at night and walking around in the daytime. I would have no peace whatsoever. But I'll tell you this, you can't have peace today by trusting in Him, by being born again. If you need the Lord in any way, you come. Play for us, please. Mm -hmm.